my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome back to the music podcast du jour. I'm joined by a former colleague of mine and turning into a regular contributor to this fine ship of music discussion. It is Hugh Carr. Bonsoir. Hello. How are you getting on? I'm so excited to be back. And that, that I've become a regular contributor now is kind of, it's a bit scary actually. This is number three, I think. This is number three, yeah. We did a emo, Midwest emo, and we did Eurodance. Mm-hmm. This week, we're doing your selection is Top my- five Oasis songs, best and worst. I've realized that, that my selections are painting a real strong image of me as uh, really aggressively straight and really aggressively like I just like I only listen to the saddest songs, pounding techno, uh, or uh, the most like pub fight band that has ever existed. Um, but I love them, and I'm not, and I won't apologize for them. You uh, love them, I do. Sonic Architect Adam, how do you feel about Oasis? Uh, indifferent at best, I think. I think they suck. <laughs> well, we've got so, a great balance. That's no fantastic balance. No surprise that I'm on worst Oasis songs this week, and what a what a journey it was. It's been a while since we've had a best and worst as well. Has it actually? It's been forever. And I tell you what, I hope you like them, listener, because we're doing another one next week. <laughs> Hell it's yeah! Another, it's another big band as well. I'm not going to say who it is now, but we are doing massive band best and worst songs with a different guest next week but my current guest sits before me now and it's Hugh Carr it is lovely to have you back I'm Welcome so glad back. to be back I do want to derail immediately though mm-hmm. as I tend to because I forgot to uh, call something out last week when we did the top 5 diss tracks with Rudy Kinsella thank you to Rudy great episode uh, Hugh hasn't listened to it yet because he doesn't what was it you said I, I don't like anything that Rudy Kinsella does and I don't famously yeah. Rudy, if you're listening to this, it's on site if I see you. It's the ultimate diss track is to not listen to his episode. <laughs> but you should listen to his episode because it was very, very good. And I got some very nice feedback about that one. But we did top five diss tracks. Now I have to spoil one for you. Okay. I so, can close my ears if that would no, make you no, feel no, better. No, no, no. Because it, like, it, the, the resulting content will be lost on you. Fair. And, and unfortunately, I can't edit you out in real life. So, um, and no matter how many times people try. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you edit someone out in real life, it's called murder. Murder? <laughs> yeah. Well, Stalin did it, didn't he? Let's not have any references to... Yeah, let's not. We, we've had some like questionable content in recent weeks. So let, like, can we just stay away from... Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to... Yeah, let's pop the train back on the tracks let, here. Let's then. stay away from like genocidal like psychopaths, shall we? And talk about Oasis. <laughs> so no no uh, one of the diss tracks I picked last week was You're So Vain by Carly Simon yes great track thank you it's Fantastic a very track. a very Dave pick you could say yep. so I forgot I actually and I know Adam will be happy about this I had screenshotted the top YouTube comment oh god I love the YouTube comments oh, they're so, so they're good they're the best they're yeah. the best when real music was here yeah. it's always that and it's also like what I've learned as well is like no matter what the song is um, it could be like the crazy frog theme and there'll be an earnest post yeah. about how my yeah. dad died or whatever yeah. and I'm like you yeah. know and I'm like oh no <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> at least have a good one you know <laughs> fucking hell but yeah it's just that weird kind of subgenre um, so yeah bear with me as I uh, scroll through my phone haphazardly to try and find this somewhere I have it now um, so this was the, the top the top reply or at least the first one I saw and it is a reminder it's You're So Vain by Carly Simon which is a, a, a phenomenal song. Yeah, banger. This is the comment, right? I played this as a young teacher. I am now 68 years of age, retired, and recovering from surgery for cancer. I had the privilege to be one lad's best man at his wedding as he made a success of his life, but stood at the graveside of one of my lads who was out of reach and took eight bullets to the chest. 
<laughs> we'll see how my recovery pans out. But I have been blessed to have once been a member of the teaching profession and to been around to listen to wonderful music such as this. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Where, who, in what world is that connected to <laughs> what is going on? What, what goes through these people's minds? When different they, kind of connected, I think. Oh my you know? God. Onto YouTube, like it, just, it really uh, like unwraps the brain. My, that's... I think the most unhinged one I've ever heard. Ironically, yeah. quite vain as well to talk about being like, yeah, this song reminds me of when Eight I survived. to the I, chest. Yeah, like, <laughs> like 50 cents in yeah. the car. Like, like Madness. Yeah. Absolute madness. I, just, I love that. I, I wonder what frame of mind you're in when you're writing that out. I would you love know? to be. I would love to be in that mind for a Fly while. Fly on the wall. I'd love mm. to like just. Also, what other a, videos is this person commenting yeah. on? A bit of a humble brag as well. Like you know, like I like I, I was I, I was an amazing teacher. You know, that's who I was. Yeah. Right. Listen. Um. Let's move on with the show. It's Patreon.com/slash No Encore if you want to support the show. Adam is currently doing the weekly preview uh, because I asked him to do it and he's doing a great job. I really like it. Actually, it's a lot of fun. Um, getting to, you know ramble and people have to listen because mm-hmm. it's, it's being or presented in this case read um, but yeah, yeah exactly it's patreon.com slash longer if you want to support the show uh, it's a fiercely independent podcast and we do appreciate the help that we get so thank you to everyone who does in the meantime uh, let's jump into the news start spreading the news we're getting closer and closer to Halloween have you been, have you been feeling spooky lately I have been feeling spooky, like the like the spectre of death looking over my shoulder, um, and also that they've got. Well, actually, no. Brian, I was out last night. Brian Thomas are putting up their Christmas decorations, yeah. so it's that getting, feels late for them at this stage. It does, but I but I think that's almost my harbinger for that Halloween is soon because they usually put it up like far too early, and I'm like, this is even before Halloween. Oh, Halloween is like in two weeks' time. Okay, you were out yeah. last night and went to Brian Thomas. Is that I it? wasn't at Brian Thomas. Okay. I was in Mary's bar. Uh, and as you I left fucking fake hipster no I wasn't look I didn't recommend it oh no I did no I didn't I don't think I did you don't I don't you wouldn't I would never no me certainly not not <laughs> you not me um, scary movie season but uh, I actually wanted to recommend a film uh, we're talking about it off mic it's not a scary film but uh, it depends how you feel about certain things I suppose uh, there's an astonishing it's on YouTube if you want to go look it up it's an astonishing uh, sub 90 minute Pierce Brosnan phenomenal work free Bond Brosnan. I miss Nine, like tight nineties. I yeah. feel like films are getting far too long now. It's myself and myself and a friend were supposed to start a podcast called Tight Ninety, and we never got around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the film's called Live Wire. It's from nineteen ninety two. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to give you the synopsis now. Well, actually, I'll give you the tagline. Right, tagline is: Your body is ninety three percent water. No one is safe. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, what? That's the tagline. <laughs> uh, Danny O'Neill. Give you a tenor to guess who plays him. Uh, does rhyme with Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> it's Pierce Brosnan, everybody. Uh, Danny O'Neill is a bomb disposal expert assigned to a case where terrorists have developed an invisible liquid explosive which is activated within the human body. They put it into water, you know. And it's they, a dissolvable, it's a, yeah. it's a soluble capsule. And I'm telling you, man, this film is fucking wild. It opens up with like Pierce Brosnan like, and he has to like defuse a bomb in a woman's car. And so he has to like put his head down between her legs and it's like, she's like a babe. And you know, he's very much like flirting with her while he does it. And she's like, well, I was cheating on my boyfriend. So this is why this happened. And he's like, don't cheat on your boyfriend anymore. Like, after- 
And then at the end That's of the fantastic movie, advice. And then at the end of the movie, wouldn't you know it, she's caught in the situation again. Oh my God. Because she's promiscuous. Um, so as for him though, he is a, a real wife guy in this mm-hmm. film. He's like mega divorced. And oh he's like no. It's, like, it's Mrs. Doubtfire taking a different turn. Well, he, like, he's, in, he's in that movie a year later. Um, that's what I mean. So in this one though, you know, he's um, you know, a rock star bomb disposal expert because they had those yeah. in the 90s. It's like how we have a rock star state pathologist. Yeah, it's true we do. <laughs> and so... Uh, he like he pines for his wife. There's even a scene where he like talks to her and he like breaks down and he literally goes, "I ache for you. I um, ache for you." There's also wrote a, that script needs <clears throat> to be subjected to the bomb. It's the bomb, the bomb <laughs> the that bomb. this film talks about. There's a constant like rock guitar soundtrack that Lethal Weapon would find too excessive. Um, nice. It's astonishing, but I will say like you know. Uh, the bombing of it all is that, like, you know, people are blown up from the inside, but their eyes go red and their body kind of, like, breaks open. It's really horrific. But this is a film that contains a sequence in which um, a clown explodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one clip I've It's seen. the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so funny. Guys, it's on YouTube. You gotta go. But back to the music news. Uh, Ed Sheeran has confirmed a spooky rumour about himself. And uh, what is that rumour, Hugh? Uh, that he has his own grave in his back garden, which I I don't know how to feel about. It's very like it's macabre. A crypt. Yeah, yeah, a mausoleum kind of thing, isn't yeah. it? Like, it's like this whole thing. The, I would call it a shed. It's on, his, uh, like. it's on his four million British pounds estate. The 16 acre estate, which has been dubbed Sheeranville. <laughs> Can we not do better ah, than that? fucking hell. <laughs> Look, if I can't walk Cheer through... Cheer manor. Oh, immediately better. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> he does want to acknowledge that it's a manor, though. And there's, like, like you know, there's, what, like, Dolly Land and... It has um, a... He rent, like, he's got a pub... Conver- yeah, like, you're thinking of, yeah, like, Dolly World. And Dolly World, yes, Graceland sorry. was another one. Mm-hmm. A luxury, a luxury treehouse, it says here. Oh, sure. my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and a heart-shaped pond. A heart-shaped... I love yeah, that song. Yeah, that's okay. Named yeah. after the Nirvana song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sheeran was asked about it and he goes well I wouldn't say it's a crypt um, the interview revealed a chapel had been built which Sheeran used to host friends weddings and mourn the loss of people in his life um, I'm getting a real Christoberg vibe here I don't like this is he saying it's not a crypt because he's not in it yet is that why yeah, because is he's that not like, is that like not like is there like a dictionary definition for crypt? Yeah. yeah, it's very cryptic, actually. It's because he's not currently dead, Sheeran. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Right? Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Listen. He said that uh, the, he thought the chapel was so beautiful when it was made that he wanted to be buried there. He said, it's a hole that's dug in the ground with a bit of stone over it. So whenever the day comes and I pass away, I get to go in there. People think it's really weird and really morbid, but I've had friends die without wills and no one knows what to do. He's just doing the admin thing. That's fine. Well, I, but you don't have to build a, your own grave out in your back garden though like people you can't just write a will that's a thing that like any of us could do this is is the thing I think is fine I think that's okay I think the fact that he's done this whole thing he wants to be buried there that's fine Mm -hmm. what I don't subscribe to is that he mourns the loss of people in his own church why do it at at that's healthy but do it at the place do you know what I mean do it it at the place or Build, not having to build a whole uh, uh, like a morning shed morning <laughs> shed <laughs> that's like a, it's an aisle in home base yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also hang on like, I mean, shed but I mean like, no, but like he's very busy like what if he's like I don't have time to go to a grave well then it's understandable I'll bring the grave to me but you can do it in your house I, like we've all mourned I, I didn't have to find a chapel to, to mourn in do you know I could do it from the comfort of my own bed we're modernists we are modernists you should be comfortable while mourning that's, <laughs> like, that's the whole fucking point I'm not going to be yeah. at, at unease while I'm morning. Yeah, Jesus wanna, Christ. Like I, I get my tracksuit bottoms on, I put my nice 
Uh, he, he's a new album though. Have you heard it? It's called Autumn Variations. Uh, I've not listened to it. Enemy uh, gave it two stars and said it's akin to aimlessly swiping through Instagram, blurry snaps of followers, leafy happenings, whizzing past into distracted days. That was probably more interesting than what the album would be. I yeah, I I'm not I'm over the I mean I wasn't really on the Ed Sheeran buzz. Um I have seen him live and it is a good show. Um I think it was like the Multiply tour, whichever the green one is. That um, was the good album, I think. It was pretty yeah, it was pretty I, decent. I enjoyed yeah. that album. You're yeah. both wrong. Um <laughs> I saw him live last year, it was boring. Uh you two, however, are currently, you know, stealing the spotlight because they have the sphere, the big sphere thing. The giant nest ball. Looks incredible. It looks incredible, but also I don't know if I like it. I, I'd say it's much different if you're in there. Of course, oh my god! But, imagine how I'm, I'm just kind of like it yeah. looks. Yeah, like imagine doing like an acid trip and then going to but that. Christ, no! <laughs> you'd never recover. You didn't. You simply never come back. Never yeah. left the sphere. Kicking um, and screaming. They're they're doing some big talk though because they did a as they would a behind the scenes tour of the sphere for Apple Music with saying low. Um, Bono on the edge, man. That's amazing. That's oh, fantastic. Man, it's incredible. Oh my god! That's yeah. incredible. It's the oh, best thing ever. Man. It's so good. How do you do it? Uh, I can't do his voice. I, I can sometimes, but not now. I'm on the spot. Uh, but you two have said they have some amazing new music coming because they were like, what's coming? And they were like, well, I think new music and new tune says The Edge. Uh, there's a lot that we've ready and some that need a little dusting off, but we got some amazing new songs. Really exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, Bono said you two will eventually manage to find 10 tracks that are up to scratch. That's all you need for an album. He says 10, and that's your reason to exist. If not, you two should just fuck off. Go live on an island. <laughs> Or go away and be a nuisance somewhere in the world. But if we want to continue as a band, it's only about one thing. It's about the text. It's about the tunes. It's about the performance. That's three things, Bono. That's <laughs> it's about whether you believe us four things, things. or not. Uh, and we have an extraordinary musical genius in our band. Once we uh, find him, we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, we will try. I will try to put words to the music that the edge is making. I make it with him. But it's Las Vegas or bust, baby. <laughs> and then Bono went on, it says here. I'm sure he did. Uh, quote, the fight is for our future. It's Sorry. love versus luck. What is this? What is going on? It's a wrestling promo. This is the Independence Day speech. <laughs> but that's what our band is built around. It's not just friendship. We overuse the word love like the Beatles did. And, and you're either, it's like, whoa, back off. Because it's a lazy word to use unless it has meaning. And if it doesn't have meaning within the band, it's not going to have meaning outside the band. So this is the time people, if they've lost their love, they should fuck off. Including me. You know what I mean? That's what it is, right? And if you're not falling in love with music, because music pays our bills, and if you don't love music, it's your time to fuck off like what happened in this interview I'm I just really want to imagine the, someone going to try and say something yeah. and he just keeps rambling on he's bonologging bonologging oh my god Adam that is fantastic gorgeous <laughs> gorgeous if that wasn't used for, for his book then we've had dead cheering and bonologging Hugh I gotta pick up the pace <laughs> give, give me some time <laughs> your game. well this next story is perfect for you um, I missed this last month I don't know how um, Hugh, how would you describe the your relationship with the world of professional wrestling? I would say that it's a storied and uh, a much cherished one. I think that I've it's very much now become a very present part of my public persona that being. everyone knows. My being, my yeah. my my very being. Why of life. why do you love wrestling? Because you know I, I riff on it on occasion on this show, and I'm sure some people are like, "Love a god, he's going on about wrestling again." Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm sure other people are like, "No, no, no, I I, I love the grapple game myself." And um, <laughs> what is it about it that that you enjoy? So I am a, a theatre child at first. Um, that's what my, my first love is and forever will be. And wrestling does get that. It scratches that itch like anything else because it's just, it's like a live show. It's like a, and you can get any style that you want. You can have your mad acrobatics. You can have your comedy. You can have your serious drama. You can have like like years long storylines, whatever. Um, but it just like, I don't know, when you buy into it or whatever, it just becomes 
I mean, they are larger than life and it feels like you're part of a larger than life thing, especially when you're at like a massive live show. When I was in Wembley watching like 80,000 people like cheer, or well, I mean, that's numbers up for contention now. <laughs> yeah. um, but like over 70,000 people um, getting heavily invested yeah. in, this, in this massive like, show, whatever. Um, I just think it's it's something that is very easy to write off, but I genuinely think that there's something for everyone in wrestling. And I would highly recommend anyone go see a live show because you will probably find one thing there that you really enjoyed. There was a thing at the Dublin Fringe recently, The Clash of the Keys, where they mixed the hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like Ahmed with Love, Courtesy, F.A., yes. a lot of, um, like, they're all kind of pals with each mm-hmm. other, So, and they, they're big wrestling fans. Ahmed with Love, like, would always come out on stage with the World oh, Heavyweight the belt, Champion yeah. belt. Um, and, like, he, he's been doing that for a very long time. I saw him, God, over a year ago at... Altogether, was it altogether now? Body and soul, body and soul. I think it was, and again, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it was great that they actually really fleshed it out into a place that is purpose built for that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. did the fusion thing together. I think it's yeah, brilliant. live wrestling is great. Crack. I brought people before who were like, I will never go. Then they go and they're like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're talking about this is because alternate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you said the words "this is awesome," and I like like a like Pavlov's like, like dog. Like I did the clap, the, yeah, the clap, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. This is awesome. Yeah, there's chants as well, everybody. Chants are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoy when I've had like my sixth beer of the evening. I'll just scream like, do your fucking job, referee! <laughs> you, um, oh, you get really invested. It's so much fun. Yeah, anyway, alternate music was, uh, alternative music, I should say, uh, within the pro wrestling uh, scene was very common back in the early 2000s. Disturbed did a badass Steve Austin remix mm-hmm. thing. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Limp Bizkit, Saliva, Motorhead, Drowning Pool, all the big ones were there. All played at WrestleMania. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because WWE Hall of Fame X-Pac who Sean Waltman who I must say like these days I mean like you know cuts a very like stoic and kind of wise and kind of grateful figure he was mm-hmm. definitely a guy who you thought might he struggled massively with, with, with substance abuse problems and thankfully he's on the other side of it now and seems like a genuinely nice guy mm-hmm. um, he had a stable back in the day called X-Factor Yo, you're rocking with the X Factor? It had a terrible Uncle Cracker theme song. And yes. it was like one of the renowned, like, yo, you're dealing with the X Factor. That's it. <laughs> Rubbish. And has this like horribly auto-tuned intro. And it was it was death. It, it didn't work for anybody. But he has revealed in a new interview, or rather an interview from last month, that he rejected having the Red Hot Chili Peppers do his wrestling theme Excuse song. Excuse me. At the height of their fame <laughs> as well. I feel like it needs to be and I really think that was explained. like probably in the middle of the Attitude Era as well. 2001. Right? Oh, come on. Literally two years after California. That's the worst <laughs> business decision of all time. Shane McMahon comes up to me and says, hey, we're thinking about having Red Hot Chili Peppers do your theme music. And he said, no, I want Uncle Cracker. <laughs> Why would anyone want Uncle Cracker? Imagine reading those words back and just, oh my God, I fucking said be like, this. Just being like, I, I could have, I literally have set this up. You could have Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of the big, one of the biggest bands in the world. I think Californication was that year, wasn't it? 2001? I, I think, think it was 99. Was it, was it 99? So yeah, it was two, maybe it was two years after. Anyway, Even still, in, like, yeah. turned the world like, doing arena shows, yeah. you know, at that Peak point. Peak Chili's. Which, in fairness, invites skepticism and the host of the show, um, Chris Van Vallet, I think is his name? Van Vallet. Uh, Van Vallet. He's great. He's is he very good? good. Okay. I'm a big fan of Chris well, Van I apologise for getting your name wrong, mate. <laughs> um, he was asked, you know, he was like, come on, is that is that real? And he said, well, he goes at the time you know when they say something like that and especially at that point when W was we were pretty hot I was the one that picked Uncle Cracker because I knew him and that's kind of how I was at the time he's given a job for the boys exactly listen brown envelope job okay I can, I'm coming back around to it 
on face value, it's it terrible. Would have been a lot, yeah. it, but like that stable killed his like heat. No one liked him. It, no. You know, he, he got go away heat, as they used to refer to it as X Pac heat. If you don't like a wrestler and you don't want to see them, you mm. just have no reaction. Yeah, that theme song didn't help. No, Red Hot Chili Peppers could very well have been the fucking key. Yeah. to keeping him in the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think about you like the Attitude Era in WWE was definitely like the time that I would have watched wrestling the most. Most and, people did. And yeah. every every one most of those people, teams. I, say. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, for most people, if you ever watched wrestling, it would have been around that yeah, time. Yeah, it was like the zeitgeist. I don't mean that yeah. most people in the world watched <laughs> the, <laughs> every single person. Five billion would tune into the World Monday Night Cup Raw. Final, not no, happening. No, yeah, no, bro, I need to watch Mankind win. Yeah. But the music, was the music the was the, like. I, just every single one of those theme songs like would have sent a crowd mm-hmm. into mass like into mass eruption of yeah. applause or whatever you know so um, I think he could have had could have maybe one of those mm-hmm. if you were to pick an existing Red Hot Chili Peppers song for wrestling entrance music what would it be oh I think I remember because if he picked like around is it called Around the World I was literally about like, to say Around the World yeah that would work perfectly like you know because it's got that, <laughs> that big bass line yeah. at the start or whatever I think Around the World uh, maybe like Funky Monks maybe or something like that or if you have to ask maybe nice depends on your it depends on your wrestler like, like your, your, your your character mm-hmm. you know if you were like you know some kind of like Raven-esque figure you could probably use Under the Bridge yeah but nice. um, you need something with a bit of oomph you know yeah um, I have always a bit of speed, thought, bit of guitars, I bit of riffage. If I was going to become a wrestler, do you remember the band um, More Than Conquerors from Derry? I do not. They were a rock band back in the day, but this is real like event bright times or like I'm trying to think like like back, like breaking tunes like band oh my or whatever God, breaking tunes yeah. Um, and they had a song called Pits of Old, and it opened up with like a like this big like like guitar thing whatever, and then just the rest of it was just a very very good rock song and I was like if I become a wrestler that's going to be my that's team it. the that's going to be my one um, not rep- bad jobs with boys once again because it's like representing Ulster <laughs> well you know I mean sometimes stories just kind of link themselves together perfectly and one of the bands of course that would be heavily associated with WWE around that time WWF as it was known then the Attitude Era is of course everyone's favourite band Creed yeah yeah <laughs> For the next news story, he was going to talk like Scott Stapp. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, currently, uh, the Texas Rangers in baseball mm-hmm. are on a bit of a hot streak, I believe. At least they were when I pulled this story together. They are indeed. Um, they had won eight of their last 12 games uh, at the time of me pulling the story. They may have played since there. And I don't know too much about them. I've only seen a couple of baseball games live in my life, and it was when I went to Toronto. I genuinely love baseball. I like. I, I genuinely adored it. Yeah. I was like, this is the best fun. Nothing's happening, but I feel content. You it's know? it's great background noise. It's like the precursor to having the like subway surfer like thing at the bottom of a video while you're like t- t- focusing on something else, like whatever. It's just great to tune in and out of whatever. Um, and the the Rangers are in the American League, if I remember correctly, and they're now going to be against their fellow Texan team, the Houston Astros, which is the yeah, first time it's the ever playoffs, happened. I believe, at the moment yes. or something. And basically what happened was, uh, one of them uh, was speaking to uh, a radio station, I think? Like one of the local baseball stations. They all, also, they're more coverage than any other, and I, I both simultaneously love and hate this about American sport. <laughs> Everything is so covered, like every aspect of the game, including like, random like 
stats about like how many yards ran, like yeah. um, you know, how many times the ball the expected runs or whatever, like or, or, like, ru- like or soccer is getting like that now. It is, but yeah, yeah. It's totally taken from the American micro coverage. Yeah. Uh, Jared Sandler told um this radio host um that the team had been listening to a certain band. Uh he said prior to one of the games six or eight weeks ago, someone just threw Creed on kind of as a joke mixed reviews and then the team won and become sort of slowly became a thing before games over the last couple months 50 minutes or so before someone will trigger it by going up to someone and saying hey you got a need and that person will respond <laughs> by saying i got a need for creed and they blast so creed good. it's so good <laughs> um a creed sing-along by fans would fire them up and the call to action stuck in his mind. Uh, there was a commentator who like got a reference in saying like, "Oh, it's it, it taking them higher." Or something uh, oh, like. MLB, Major League Baseball has really leaned into it. It's like whenever Taylor Swift appeared at the NFL, mm, except with yeah. the now it's like all the things. With it's a much like, better act, yeah, yeah, which a far better. Act. Listen, yeah. Creed couldn't all beat the Eras tour. Creed forever. could write "Shake It Off," but could Taylor Swift write with arms wide open? Not like, a chance. Not a fucking <laughs> not a chance. I'm There's sorry. One band that could do Fair. it, and let me tell you who it is. It's Creed. <laughs> There was a thing about like it's you know, a love story. Their, their DJ put up um, like a shot of their what they have lined up for the music, mm-hmm. and it was like already added uh, with a photo of like it just says Creed on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a lot of their songs to be honest, says the Tex Rangers manager Bruce Bocci, uh, when asked about his team's apparent infatuation with the band that won the Grammy Award for best rock song for 2001's "With Arms Wide Open." What a Bang nice up. drop in there. That <laughs> <laughs> just like really fucking crowbar that is just get it shoved right in there not my work the work of whatever American outlet I took yeah. this from absolutely amazing um, phenomenal I think it's the Washington Post real uh, journalism continuing uh, the manager says I do know that we're playing a lot of Creed but that's not down my lane I don't know who the DJ is here to be honest uh, I'd heard of Creed uh, <laughs> said uh, Rangers rookie outfielder Evan Carter who wasn't even two years old when Creed broke up in 2004 Jesus Jesus Christ he goes I know the one song I was seven at least he said he goes I know the one song Six Feet From The Edge and then there's square brackets here in this, in this copy going actual title One Last Breath <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the popper song in there that's the one I would consider my favourite I guess just because we hear it, a lot of handshakes and stuff so it's fun <laughs> Uh, Creed uh, have reunited this year, of course, mm-hmm. for the first time in twelve years. Uh, and they Lest are, we forget, they are going on a Creed cruise next April. Did you know that Creed? So they broke up, or whatever, and then they reunited without Scott Stapp, without the lead singer, and but with Alter the new Bridge. Singer. And it's Alter Bridge who did loads of songs for WWE. Edge's as theme well. music. Edge's theme music. Yeah. Metal- day. Great song, in fairness, fantastic. Metal Ingus, it's called. Um, so who knew? Who knew that? the greatest band of all time, Creed, will have such social cachet in uh, 2023. I will say that I have genuinely done this as well when I need to motivate myself. I will listen to Creed sometimes. <laughs> it's only been something that's happened in the last, I'm going to say like four, three or four months, whatever. It used to be um, This Fire Burns. Uh, oh, Kill Engage. Switch Engage. Yeah, I picked that up in the morning Kickstarter episode and Richard was not happy. No, was I, like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> just throw it in there to, to really wake you up. But I have on occasion, whenever I just, I get an itch and I'm just like, I need a... You get a need. I've got a need for Creed. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, that's, that I'm not alone anymore. I went through a Creed phase when I was younger and, I, and it, like, this is ridiculous, but I didn't realise they were Christian rock somehow, even though it's the most overt. Like, well, when you know, you can't not know. But they pretend like they're not. That they totally pretend like they're not, though. They're just like, it's, oh, music, it's music for they've the They've never soul. confirmed it, though. Is that, yeah. is, am I right in saying yeah. that? Yeah, they've, they've never, never confirmed like, come it. come out and said that oh, we're Christian on. rock. Like, but they've had, like, Skillet as their support act who are, like, <laughs> hardcore Christian rock, like, really, like... I know. had the first three Creed albums on Compact Disc because I was that guy. But they got some bangers. Like, like, I mean, am I right in saying that you won't spend 27 
Irish pounds. No, I spent 23 Irish pounds on Stains breakfast that's, that's one. on yeah. import, and I don't regret that for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, Creed, like it was when I was going through my Pearl Jam phase, and one of my brother's friends was like, if you like them, you'll definitely like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, because Scott Stapp is a cheap Eddie Vedder impression, but... Yeah, I was obsessed with, you know, with Arms Wide Open and fucking... Mm-hmm. Um, and you take me higher. There was that amazing uh, halftime show that I they played. I was literally about to... because I was like the, the connection between Creed and Texas sport for some reason is <laughs> that's absolutely what, that's amazing. Actually, I, I texted, of course, Cole Morrigan, who we recently featured on the show for the Taylor Swift section. Mm-hmm. And I just sent him the story, I think it was yesterday... And I said, uh, he just wrote back and goes, like, Creed already have a hallowed place in Texas sport after their halftime show during a Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. So this is a perfect fit in so many ways. That halftime show is deranged, oh, by the way. It's like, Am I right in saying, like, one is, does one of them, like, get lifted up or there's an there's angel like, there's being... There's ba- a bald guy in an angel costume flying around. There's, like, there's, there's aerial, there's aerial acrobatics. But we're there, not about Jesus. Don't, don't no. get it twisted, guys. There's aerial acrobatics. There is, like, a massive children's choir. Yeah, there is like. The it's two two thousand one thing to ever sacri- exist. My, my <laughs> sacrifice and hire go perfectly in with each other. Oh, At one point, uh, they start showing footage from nine eleven. You're joking? Just, uh, no, genuinely. We, I was we about were, to say that it's the most two thousand one thing ever exist apart from nine eleven. No, right? they literally at one point or whatever they start showing like random first responders or whatever like on the ground. Oh, whatever. Yeah, when you said footage from nine eleven, no, not the, like, not the <laughs> no, like, not the not the plane. The side angle of the plane going. No, out. no, it was like the first responders so on the ground. It's ridiculous. And then there's fireworks going off intermittently. The crowd is changing signs around to be like the Lone Star, like Texas, whatever, like the US flag. It is I wish incredible. If, if my life was an episode of Quantum Leap, <laughs> I would love to leap back to the Creed halftime <laughs> show. And like, I'm the angel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to be like, and do I'm you like, want to be Scott? Can we stay? <laughs> it's, it's so good. The whole thing's on YouTube. Oh. And the best thing about it as well. Oh, it's shot on like 280p or something. Yes. Yeah. But the best thing about <laughs> it as well. You get one pixel for every fucking yeah. t- five inches on your screen. <laughs> the best thing about it as well, I, so I showed it to my housemate because uh, to Liam, to, Liam, fan, to. fan of the show. Hey, Liam. And he has he uh, taken you higher? He uh, regularly on a regular basis, but I it's on YouTube, so the whole thing's on YouTube, and it's recorded off this like fan website or fan YouTube thing, whatever. And then the guy added in his own title card at the end of the YouTube video. But the song he chose for the title card is uh, "Disturbed Down with the Sickness." <laughs> so after you know, there's like the song comes like to so a natural end, whatever. The crowd is going crazy, whatever. It's going metal, and then just hard cut to a picture of like a half naked woman. It could be like a like a WWE like. Like Playboy like thing or something like that whatever like this half naked woman appears on screen and then this media goes oh wow like out of nowhere that's the signature um, yeah that's good. it's incredible so let me ask you this um, if Creed came to Dublin would you go? absolutely yeah. 100% you have yeah. to go but yeah I don't know it would depend on how much it was I feel like if they tried to charge like 100 quid for the ticket I'd be like there's no way they're going so baity like. where yeah. would they play? I don't think they could do 3 Arena you don't think they could do 3 no, Arena? no Olympia I'd say I think Mm, I don't know. I think they could do. The I don't dream. think they've ever played here before, and like they're not coming. But I mean, like, <laughs> I, I will check and see. If they have definitely not played Ireland before. Their crews will arrive with uh, Daughtry and uh, Third Eye Blind. I genuinely would love to see Daughtry as well. Daughtry was like, and people always look at me funny when I say this. I think Daughtry is the reason why I enjoy music. That's like, a hell of a statement. It's. I'm, I swear to God, because their one of their songs crashed was on a Bionicles trailer, a Lego <laughs> Bionicles trailer, which is, I genuinely think, an amazing piece of media. It's the Toa Mahri uh, trailer, the M-A-H-R-I. And um, I was like, this is amazing. And I kept watching it over and over again. And then I bought the album on iTunes. I like talked my mom into buying me the album. And then 
I would start going through iTunes recommended to find more songs. And that's how then I started like listening to music. More. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was Limp Bizkit for me. So, I mean, you know, we're not, not going to sit here and pretend it was the Beatles. Yeah, no. But an, an act that uh, owe a lot to the Beatles. And does pretend to be the Beatles sometimes. <laughs> leading us nicely into our top five. Oasis. Uh, the Beatles thing, by the way, real quick. I mean, you've seen that grotesque Danny Boyle film yesterday. I've seen clips You know where the premise, it's like, you know, he is in a bike accident and he wakes up and he's the only person who can remember the music of the Beatles and then yes. he uses it to profiteer. The only good joke in that film, the mm-hmm. only good joke in that movie is when he is trying to figure out what's happening and then at one stage he Googles Oasis and there's no re- results for it because if there's no Beatles. And I'm like, that's a good gag. That's about it. Oasis. Um, Oasis have topped a new BBC chart ranking the most streamed albums of the 90s. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about this? I, if it's a BBC poll, I can totally understand it. I would say there are probably other, and also I think if that includes like songs from it, I mean, it has Wonderwall on it, which immediately means that like that song has 1.7 billion streams on Spotify, I think, whatever. So I think that probably carries the whole thing. Yeah, maybe. Noel Gallagher said I'm thrilled, but I wouldn't say I was that surprised when What's the Story Morning Glory was voted most streamed album in the 90s. I still do have my faith in the taste of people in this country. I mean, if you've got Wonderwall and Don't Look Back and Anger on album, you're going to be alright, aren't you? Yeah. Ever the bullish. Uh, he goes, for certain people, it'll be bringing back memories of their youth in the 90s, and that brilliantly amazing decade we all lived through. And for the young people coming to it now, the songs just deal with the universal truths of life. And they will always be timeless, you know, of love and loss and heartbreak and friendship and the weather. All the universal things that we live through on a day-to-day basis that we don't really notice. So thanks to everybody, says a magnanimous Noel Gallagher. Liam Gallagher said, all right, this is Liam G, and I'm here to congratulate Definitely Maybe. <laughs> Definitely maybe you weren't sure. <laughs> being the most second streamed album of the 90s. Love that record. Without it, God knows where I'd be and God knows where we'd all be. I'd be celebrating my own way when actually doing some gigs, blah, 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 blah. So the official top 20 most streamed 90s albums in reverse order. Are you ready? In reverse order? Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So we know the first one. The first one's Watch the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. And the second one is definitely maybe. Um, so we'll go. Number 20, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. You can right. just tell me if you like these albums or anything. Love Miseducation of yeah, Lauren Hill. Great. Fantastic album. Uh, the Benz by Radiohead. Love that album. Be Here Now by Oasis. Don't love that album. <laughs> the Slim Shady LP, LP by Eminem. Should be way higher. Uh, yeah, I love that album. Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. I actually haven't listened to it, but the Because you don't singles. like music made by women, Fam- it? Yeah, famously, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, why I love Oasis. So you've probably heard this one then, Urban Hymns by The Verve. Oh, of course. I actually haven't. That's another one. Oh, obviously, Bittersweet Symphony, but that's about it. I do think Bittersweet Symphony is an amazing song to this mm-hmm. day. It holds up. One of the best samples of all time, I think. Yep. Boy, boy, do they not get any money for that. Um, <laughs> OK Computer by Radiohead. Love that album. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, self-titled. Fantastic. Love the singles I've heard from that album. Come On Over by Shania Twain. Interesting. Yeah. Bangers. Loads of bangers on that. All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Right. Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G. He beat oh. him. He beat him. <laughs> oh my God. That's the, it's, it's saddled. The beef is Biggie over. Won the feud. Yeah, <laughs> Biggie won the feud. It's official. Biggie, Biggie won the feud. Uh, Metallica by Metallica. Yep. Makes sense. Californication by Rattletail Peppers and in brackets here, 1999, close brackets. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, we've got, now we've got the uh, we've, got, we've got the hard dates now. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, the Lion King original soundtrack. <laughs> that makes sense. Elton John, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, after this, it's Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell by Meatloaf. What? The, what? You're, the bat's back. <laughs> What's happening there? Uh, In Utero by Nirvana. Yep. Yeah. Nevermind by Nirvana. Yeah. 2001 by Dr. Dre. Yeah. yeah. And then the two Oasis albums at the top. So there you go. So Dr. Dre got number three. Yeah. I suppose like next episode yeah. has come back. Yeah, still like, the and stuff. Yeah. Right. 
let's top five it up, shall we? It's best and worst Oasis songs. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just jump into it. So I presume we'll f- finish with best, will we? Yeah. So I'll go you, first. If you'd like to, yeah. Please. Let's kick it off. Uh, I don't like Oasis. Here's my number five. <laughs> What'd you say when that song dropped there? I said I completely forgot it existed until you sent me your top five and I said absolutely perfect choice. Yeah, mm. it's uh, Lila by Oasis. You hear the blacksmith um, working away in the background there hammering oh, away bing, on the anvil. Bing, bing, it's uh, the resurrection of Maxwell Silverhammer. It's hammer. 100%. <laughs> uh, they should, they this, should have done it in the in the, the forge, in, yeah. the, in the foundry. They should have really recorded in the studio. We've hired a blacksmith for this one, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> Hephaestus himself has, has risen. Um, May 2005, first single from their sixth studio album. Who can name that album? Uh, Heathen's Chemistry no that was the album before that Heathen Damn Chemistry it. which has I, I quite liked the lead single off that one which was the Hindu Times Oh, like, yeah, I don't yeah. like Oasis but there's a handful of songs I think are okay mm-hmm. and that's one of them this is not one of them the album is called Don't Believe the Truth yes uh, first single following the departure of their long time drummer Alan White they were do you know who they replaced Alan White with who Ringo Starr's son no way yeah Zach Starkey um, so incredible! Like they're really not doing themselves any favors. They really by like, by like saying, you know, oh, we're whatever. We're not bandying off the Beatles. Literally, one of the Beatles' offspring. offspring. Yeah. yeah, also by the Who. Apparently, um, the song was written by Liam or no guess. Liam. No. No is the answer. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably usually the answer. <laughs> Noel has varyingly described this track as quote specifically designed for pogoing. Excuse me? Quote, annoyingly catchy. That's my impartial baby. And the poppiest thing since Roll With It. Um, Gallagher says, also, we need to do this now because I think people get mad. Is it Gallagher or Gallagher? I would say Gallagher. Gallagher. But Gallagher is a very Donegal uh, Let's just go with Gallagher because, yeah. I, yeah. That's an Irish name. Yeah. He said it's a bit like the soundtrack of our lives doing the Who on Skull in a psychedelic city in the sky or something. Um, he said that the song existed in early form as one called Sing from the Heathen Chemistry era. Um... I, he's also joked that the fact that the Lila in the song is actually the sister of the Sally mentioned in uh, Don't Look Back in Anger. So there's lore here, you know, there's mm-hmm. lore. Um, the Oasis Extended Universe is really <laughs> growing. The OEU. OEU. Uh, originally claiming he was not very fond of the song, Noel said Lila isn't even the fifth best track on the album. Why the fuck would you release it as your lead single then? Mm-hmm. Um, ish, yeah. They opened shows with it as well, I'm nearly sure. That's it became the band's it. seventh UK number one when it came out. I would have thought Man. they would have had more than that before then, but... Who knows? Um, why did I pick this one? I mean, I think it's just nothing. And like, yeah. also, like, I vividly remember I worked an extra vision at the time when this was out, so this would be on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I just found it quite grating. Um, it just feels empty to me. It feels like there's nothing here, which is a problem I have with a lot of Oasis songs. I was going to say that's pretty I common. <laughs> don't get it. I get it in as much as I understand why they were massive. You know, I, I understand that they were something that people wanted, they were looking for at that time when they emerged and whatever. But I just... Uh, I get no emotion from their songs. I get no weight and substance from them at all. And this one in particular, to me, just felt really of its time and just kind of, oh, you're really spent now, guys. Like, like you're just such a spent force. This is fucking Soccer AM theme music. Oh, yeah. Know? like It's like... It's, I'm, get, I'm seeing Brantford highlights 
with this as like yeah. you know in between like those like the championship on ITV or whatever when they were goal of the month around. or like yeah. you know or it's it's also just like it's very much you know it's kind of you go into like uh, Jack Jones or something and like it's it's blaring it's changing room music um, <laughs> there's no weight to it there's just no there's no life to it it just sounds like they sound tired and done and like they wouldn't be done for a little while after this but like but this was a hit this was a big hit and as you say like you know they play it at gigs and the Craig and sing along to it like to me it's like it feels endemic of the time that what British music was going through as well. Like it's this isn't far off Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah, like, it's yeah. just shit call and response. Like it's a lad rock bullshit. They were definitely uh, like the well was dry yeah, at that completely. point, completely dry. And I have noticed. I obviously I'm on Team Love Oasis here, uh, <laughs> but I'm I glad have someone noticed, is. Uh, I need balance, but, you know. <laughs> but what I've noticed from what I was uh, going through, because I obviously listened back through everything, and I will say uh, as a, as a precursor that uh, surprise, surprise, most of my list will uh, consist of the first bits of music that they were putting out. Because um, cheating, I, oh, it's not though, because it's like they had. So what reason? My reason for it was let's just they jump had a, into it. Like, like, I've said all I'm going to say about Lila. It okay. sucks. Let's just jump into your one there, and then we'll we'll keep this momentum going. Yeah, my this is my pick for my my fifth top Oasis song. That's right, that is Bang A Gong by T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hand yeah. up to, to oh, I make, was looking, to I was make the up, same joke. I was you looking at my notes. I was looking at my notes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, but here, this must be some mistake. That's Mark Boland's music. <laughs> <laughs> By God, it's Mark Boland. <laughs> What's he doing <laughs> here? Uh, that is cigarettes and alcohol, obviously, from the first album from Definitely Maybe, which was released in '94. Which, the f- by the way, uh, Noel Gallagher said as recently as a month ago was the last great punk album. That's bullshit. That's so. That's so <laughs> <laughs> That's so so wrong. I have I re-listened to it literally this week. It, that is not a punk album. I would love it, to have the confidence that Noel Gallagher has oh. in, in the, these statements. Like the last great punk album. They give Where has he fucking been? They oh. give you endless quote. Oh, you know? it's fantastic. All I've been looking through interviews. I've been reading stuff, whatever, and him just regularly calling himself a genius. It's amazing. You also watched Supersonic for this podcast. I did watch Supersonic for this podcast. It's the most studying I think I've done for anything including my leaving cert um, I think I really was like I need to get my Oasis thing and focus mostly on Origin up until those Nebworth shows that like quarter of a million people going to see them which is insane to well, take, take, take us into the journey here and obviously you're, you're starting with this song Cigarettes and Alcohol and also like let's just call it out here you're a good bit younger than I am yes so I mean I lived this mate <laughs> I was there, man. I'm just curious as to where the spark was for you because surely too young at the time. I did, I missed, so I obviously missed the whole Brit pop thing because I wasn't born, not to rub it, really rub it in. That's okay. Um, I couldn't, I have no control over when I was born. Yeah, this is true. Neither can I. Uh, like the first two albums were out in like th- three years and two years respectively, which I think is insane that they did it year Back to back. 94 is the first album? Definitely maybe it's 94. What's the story is 95, which is madness to think about. It was like they literally went from two years, they went from two and a half years, they went from unsigned to performing in front of a quarter of a million people uh, in Nebworth, which is just that trajectory is 
madness, absolute madness to become like the, one of the biggest rock bands ever. Um, so when did you first get into them? I think my f- my first experience of them was um, the song that shall not be named. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the proverbial wonder wall, um, which I think everyone has heard. It's like a you know, it's like happy birthday at this point. It's just like one of those songs that everyone knows the words to and will just forever be in the public consciousness. There'll always be a prick in a pub. Always. Forever guitar, always. Yeah. Setting up his guitar. Listen. It's always going to be played at a wedding. Yeah, E minor, G, D. At a wedding? <laughs> hey, yeah. C, sorry. Most, I think, essentially every wedding I've been at has played this song. But an X. I know, well, maybe not when it was written, but like it's now associated with, anyway. No, so, it's still, it's still, it's, it's still, very regularly on rotation mm. everywhere I go. So, so did you get like a hand-me-down from somebody? Like what was the like an older you know brother? What? It's funny. My love of Oasis came actually quite much later in life, like long after they'd broken up and long after they'd been gone, whatever. It was a friend of mine that I worked in the Gale Talk with and he was obsessed with Oasis. And so every time we were going anywhere, it was Oasis going, whatever. And I was like, these are just so much fun. I love this. This like it and it does kind of like it lends itself to being sang along to whatever, like kind of hitting that like I'm I'm no one, but I'm gonna be someone else and stuff, whatever. Like this song in particular, Cigarettes and Alcohol, is definitely like a thesis statement of the band, whatever, where it's literally like the first things is like, is it my imagination or have I found something worth looking for or whatever? And then immediately talks about just doing loads of drugs. Um it's I think for me anyway, it just speaks to that like, I don't know working class like you know holy shit we've actually made it like it's kind of a I'd know a bit of a a fantasy I suppose um because I mean they lived it like where it was these like lads who one of them was obsessed with music uh Liam gets hit in the head with a hammer according this is the origin story according to the supersonic uh Noel loved playing music Liam thought it was stupid Liam gets beaten up with a hammer outside of his school starts loving music suddenly starts up a band and then they're like oh shit we better get my brother involved because he actually enjoys this stuff um and then that was the the origin of oasis um and then obviously then like within like 10 years they're the biggest act in the world um so i don't know it kind of just like you're like holy shit like this is like and i suppose as well like the irish connection as well you're just like holy shit like anyone can can make it like so it's a rags to riches story for you it is yeah um and i just think like it's just so like it is very unique. Like I think there's there's no one who says the word sunshine better than Liam Gallagher. Like you just like sunshine. <laughs> I just I just there's like there's crack in it or something. It just really gets me going. Um, but about the bang a gong thing, the, I feel like I need to already like preface like because they robbed off everyone. They did. Like I mean that's just and they um, know it. And some of it was tongue in cheek. Like some of it was like and I'll talk about some ones later on. Whatever. But the bang a gong one was um, so that is they they've called it a twelve bars blue a twelve bar blues. Um, like since whatever, which I don't think was the plan whenever they were recording it at all whatsoever, where they were like, we're going to do a Chuck Berry style number whenever we're doing this. I would call it egregious burglary. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's what so... Are you, fucking the Garda Commissioner it's over so here? Bla- no, but it's so blatant. Like uh, like if you're going to do that, at least credit the door. Yeah. It, do you know what I mean? At least like do the thing that the Verve did where they get no money from it. Because, yeah. You know, who is it? The fucking Rolling Stones are getting it all. Yeah. So like... Oh no, well they eventually gave the Verve it back after, after all the, after, after all the after money was made. 15, <laughs> 20 years or whatever the fuck it was. Craziness. Like, Thanks um, lads. So Bang A Gong comes out in the 70s question mark. Big uh, T-Rex. Uh, with T-Rex. Before that it was uh, Chuck Berry had a similar riff in Little Queenie and but then 
it's very much inspired. It is 100% more of the T-Rex version that Oasis are ripping off. And Noel Gallagher spoke about this in an interview in 2007 where he said that uh, Bonehead, who's one of the other uh, members of Oasis... Can you name any other members of Oasis, by the way? Can you think? Uh, uh, no. hmm. It's fair if you can't, because as I was watching the documentary, I was already forgetting their names. It was only because it was popping up. Um, and the only reason I already knew Bonehead who was the guitarist, is because he has a song written about him on Definitely Maybe. Yeah, is his name Paul Arthurs or something, is it? I think so, yeah, but it's Bonehead's Bank Holiday is the name of the song. He's the guy who makes cheese. There's one of them who makes cheese. No, that's Blur. Oh, so that is right. <laughs> Cardinal Which, fucking oh sin. My god. Oh, oh my god. Don't Jeez. care, mate. That's, that's Alex James <laughs> Wait, from Blur, who no. is uh, significantly... Like, if you want to talk about class here, working class versus... <laughs> Alex James is not working class. No. Victoria, I believe, as well. Oh, um, very much. Uh, did I say Alan White? Was he the previous drummer or something? Yes. Andy, he, he, uh, Andy Bell? I think there was Andy, Andy something. There's yeah, an Andy, isn't there? There was an Andy, yeah. Because I remember there was a line that was oft quoted where, like, Noel Gallagher, it was put to him, it was like, oh, Andy said this about you. And Noel's response was, "Well, Andy's entitled to Liam's opinion." Ooh, which is a good fucking line. Yeah, in fairness. In fairness, but um, the Noel Gallagher uh, in two thousand seven talking about uh, cigarettes and alcohol and the link with T Rex. Uh, he said that Bonehead would be the one who would tut. That's how he would describe it. Where he would name a song, and Bonehead would tut away about it and be like tut 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 or whatever, like you know, like oh tut, like is that what it's going to be or tut whatever. And he starts playing the riff. And Bonehead says, and this is a direct quote, so now, and I'll apologize for the language in advance. Bonehead was like, hold on, you can't fucking do that. That's T-Rex. And I was like, I don't give a shit who it is. No one's going to hear it anyway. I don't give a fuck. Because this is obviously their first album. This is their first single. Or not first single, but like their fourth single. First album. They're like, I'm, no one's going to listen to this anyway. And then it ends up becoming a massive hit um, along with the rest of the album. So I don't know. It's kind of a bit, it's a bit iffy, but I think the song itself, lyrically, the chorus, the everything, whatever. It's just so much fun. It's a mission statement in. is what you're saying. It's a totally a mission yeah. statement. It's between that and Acquiesce, I'd say. Or like I like Acquiesce. Yes. Um, I, I think Acquiesce is great, even mm. though it's very straightforward. And also, when I, when, I, when I first learned how to play drums years ago, I think the very first song I learned to play was um, Supersonic, because it's just the same beat over and over yes. and over again. Uh, Paul Arthurs, Paul McGuigan, Tony McCarroll, Alan White, Gem Archer, Andy Bell. Yeah, they're they're the lads, the boys, and let's hear um, a horrendous thing <laughs> that the lads sell a tape together. Here it is. Yeah, that's a local ZZ Top tribute band. It just never stops. It it's, just a, it's Oasis. It's a, Relentless. It's, <laughs> a, it's Oasis, everybody. It's the Swamp Song, yeah. which was, in fact, split up into two interludes on What's the Story, Morning Glory. They've had one album. Here's the second album. It's time to get weird. Um, mm. Swamp Song Part 1 and Swamp Song Part 2. <laughs> and then you stitch them together and you get this four-minute piece of garbage. Uh, it's a jam. It was, an, it was originated from a demo called The Jam after Paul Weller uh, played another track or something. No Galaxy, we better change the name. Um, I mean, what 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 are we doing? Like, what like why why does this band? I mean, like, I will say maybe there's maybe there is some hidden depths here because you know you're talking about cigarettes and alcohol pilfering from you know like the disco beat era. Yeah. So it's not just straight up rock and roll. Mm -hmm. But then you got this fucking like absolute nonsense that you would expect to see in a Steven Seagal movie where he gets into a bar fight. <laughs> like, what is what is this? It's all why? in the harmonica. 
Why is it here? Like, like, and also, like, defend this. I would say, and I think the jam, I think, is probably a much more accurate, like, description of this. From what I've seen, from and and then from when I realized this, and then listening to all of her songs, they were making music to be played live. It was almost to the point where it was like we're just doing this. You know, like they had to swap around producers on definitely maybe because they couldn't find anyone to get someone who would capture their like live sound because they started off very much like we're just going to play these songs out for everyone. And then I was like, oh shit, we need to actually like put these out as albums. Um, that is definitely, when I hear that, I'm thinking like, you know, that's like the extended outro or whatever for, you know, or like a, a jam at the start of the, like a Chili Peppers thing or whatever, where they do the whole, you know, Flea and Prashanti do their thing or whatever before. The two lads go off stage, have a smoke. Yes. Yeah. Like that kind of vibe or whatever. But it's obviously... Extended drum outro. It's like, what, like... Ugh. Yeah, but it's obviously a lot worse. But I think that it would be the case of, you know, this is the part of the show where people are just throwing themselves into each other. This is the, the designated mosh pit at some point, whatever, while the lads go off and smoke a cigarette and continue to do the copious amounts of drugs that they were doing. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that that is probably what I would imagine is what they were going for with that track. No, that does make sense because like... Uh... Even like with definitely maybe in Muscle Story, Morning Glory, both of those albums sound like it's so raucous, it's so fucking loud. Yeah, like it's exactly what you would hope for as someone who is a fan of rock music going to a live show. Yeah, so I think that is, I think you've summed it up very well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not against them doing instrumental. Like, like I think fucking in the bushes is pretty fun. Yep, used quite well in Snatch, if you recall. Oh yes, as mm-hmm. a music when Brad Pitt walks out to the ring mm-hmm. um, I, I dug up an old Q interview because again you know Q magazine Oasis kind of how many covers were there I wonder <laughs> and it's like a very long form interview in which Liam and Noel are like giving out about everybody and being very mean to Radiohead and lots of other people of course and they're talking about you know like their albums and they're disagreeing like you know Noel Gallagher saying that What Story Morning Glory is like the most overrated album ever and Liam's like he's always like this it's actually great but like Again, in the same breath, though, he's going to come back with this new thing, this new thing most streamed, and, and he's going to be like, it's the best album ever. Mm-hmm. Like, they just say shit to say shit. Yeah. And this feels like music just to fucking, just to throw it out there. But again, it just feels very ill-disciplined to me, and I just don't see how anyone could possibly be like, yeah, man, that rules. <laughs> it doesn't. Let's have your number four, which hopefully does rule. I think it rules. I think it's great. I found it very difficult to decide between this and another track, um, but I think I'm happy with my decision now. So here's number four. Welcome back to Breakfast Radio. It's Oasis and a hot new band from Manchester. And uh, yeah, 7am. Hope you're having a great day out there. <laughs> that, that does not make you want to scream over and over again. It's just really it does, oh yeah. God, fantastic. So that is... Uh, if you, I think in a very different in way. In a different you context. Just, yeah. said you. Uh, that is obviously the title track of the album, What's the Story, Morning Glory, uh, for released in 95. Again, absolutely insane that this was like within like a year and a bit that they had put... Po- published two albums that were you know monumental like completely took over the zeitgeist um it was a toss-up between this this is this is one of the ending tracks final tracks in the album and for me it was a toss-up between this and champagne supernova um and the reason i chose this instead is because i just think like champagne supernova is great and i also i mentioned this earlier but like 
Oasis songs have a formula, and once you realize the formula, they all sound the same. Can you explain that formula to us, please? Formula. As you would a child. So when when a when a when a mommy song and a daddy song love each other very much. Not like that. Uh, they do. It's verse, chorus, same verse again, and then the song just repeats over and over and over and over again. They don't know how to finish a song. It's like Metallica saying anger. Exactly. But they but they but they don't know how to end. It. Like those songs have no <coughs> reason to be as loud as they are. Not as loud. They have very much reason to be as loud. They have no reason to be as long as they are. Morning Glory oh, is like... We'll get to that. Is like, <laughs> I think I know which one you're going to pick then. So Morning Glory is like six or seven minutes long. Rock and Roll Star is like six minutes long, whatever. Um, These ill-disciplined fucks. Yeah, they just can't stop themselves. But again, it's that jam thing where it's like, we're going to play this live or whatever, and we're just going to keep going... Uh, as long as the crowd is dancing, whatever, and like there was more attention spans in the nineties as well. We didn't have phones, you know. But the attention span was to listen to the same thing over and over again. It was very, I think, it was very much like a thing of like we're going to be playing this live, and like that chorus is anthemic, like it is ridiculous. Like what's the story, Morning Glory, whatever, just to scream that out over and over again. Um, I think people would just be singing it over and over, like ad nauseum, and I think that's probably what they were aiming for. I have a funny anecdote about like Champagne Supernova in particular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll fucking never forget this. It was like, I think I was like 18, 17, and um, my friend Paul, um, he said to me one day, he's like, do you ever just like really get lost in that we were getting high bit that goes on for about 15 fucking minutes? He's like, I, I, he's like, I feel like I'm being hypnotized. I started here and Elvis isn't dead. And like all of these things. And it's like, you know, we were getting high. Uh, the moon landing was fake. Like all of, he's like, it feels like you're just being sucked into this absolute trance where anything could, like you could 100%. be being fed anything subliminally. That's all I can think of when I hear that song, Champagne Supernova. It's just like yeah. that thing and then subliminally planting conspiracy theories I think and again not to I know you didn't pick Champagne Supernova but like uh, I think that is a very good song I just don't like it does that make sense yeah you can respect a good song I've heard it way too much but I do think I think it's a genuinely very good song I think it's very well written I think Liam was pretty good in it one take, famously. That's the that was the thing. Um, take went on for fucking ages in that bit. Anyway, yeah, really. They just kept going over and over again. Um, like, it's an objectively very, very good song, but there's just something about it that I'm like, oh, shut up. Like you know, I think. And the, one of the things that was pushing me towards this was I was thinking, what would I be more excited to hear live? I actually have seen a Gallagher live. I have seen Liam Gallagher before, and it was. Um, <laughs> The gig began, he walked out and the opening riff to Rock and Roll star started playing whatever. I was immediately coated in beer. It was like every pint <laughs> in the in the country was thrown up immediately into the air. Um, and I had a fantastic time. Um, but I was thinking, what would I be more excited to hear live between Champagne Supernova and Morning Glory? And I was like, I definitely think it would be that because you just, you just start throwing yourself around. The song is about drugs. I actually have a clip set up about this, whatever. Um, the song is heavily involving drug use whatever um, and there's a famous interview with Noel Gallagher I don't know if you remember this uh, but it was in the in, in the documentary and it just I think sums up kind of their attitudes at the time people in the, in the houses of parliament man they were f- bigger heroin addicts and like f- cocaine addicts than anyone in this room right now and it's all about honesty at the end of the day if he's done that fair enough everybody does it you do 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 it and you do it he doesn't do it because he's, he's a Buddhist, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I mean, as soon as people realise that the majority of the people in this country take drugs, then, I mean, the better off we'll all be. It's not, it's not 
like a scandalous sensation. Drugs, it's like, you know, it's like getting up and having, you know, it's like getting up and having a cup of tea in the morning. And, you know, and, and so people realise that then, well, that's their tough isn't it? Do you want a line? <laughs> Noel Gallagher saying that having drugs is like a cup of tea was everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. It was like, in the documentary, talks about having like journalists outside his house, his mother's house, um, for like days on end, just to ask them more and more about like, you know, what's like having a cup of tea. I mean, there is something to be said about drug legalization and how it, you know, countries like Portugal have taken it on and it's really helpful people ever. Um, but like they were so addicted to drugs. It was crazy. It was absolutely mental what was going on. Um, there's another bit in the documentary where they're talking about they went to America when they were trying to break over in America and Noel Gallagher at one point, they did a show in LA and it was a shambles and Liam like throws a tambourine at Noel at one point, whatever. And he just says, fuck this and leaves. And he wrote. I'm sorry, like, I do love that like the tambourine is, is the, is, is the, is the yeah, like, that's the It's his Mortal Kombat point. weapon. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's his, it's his Street Fighter special. If like, you got an just, action figure of Liam Gallagher, it would have a tambourine. It would have to, yeah. 100%. And like a mirror full of cocaine. Yeah, um, sure. But Allegedly. But he... Please don't sue. Uh, well, I mean, he talks about in the documentary where he, um, they start, they got introduced to crystal meth in America thinking it was cocaine uh, and then got heavily addicted to that and to the point where Noel quits the band for a few weeks um, and disappears out of the country. Well, not out of the country. He ended up in San Francisco, um, but leaves a note for everyone to say, I've left. And Liam Gallagher says in the documentary, he was like, yeah, I just took that note and rolled it up and did another line of crystal mess with it. Like, What a guy. What a, like, madness. What, uh, a like, what they were going through at the time was just insanity. Um, and that is very much what Morning Glory is about. It's about, you know, change the mirror and the razor blade. Um but that's still, it's still an absolute banger. All right. So my number three, uh, we're going back in time a year prior to that whole madness and uh, live from Top of the Pops, it's uh, Oasis, everybody. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> That's Shaker Maker. It's their second ever single. Uh, came out on the 20th of June, 1994. It's off Definitely Maybe. Peaked at number 11 in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, that was too high for it. That was- <laughs> <laughs> Who made that choice? Certified oh. silver by the British phonographic industry in 2013, having previously been their only single of the 1990s not to be certified in the UK. Um, their only single of the 90s not to be certified gold as well. Um, Noel says the lyrics are taken from the world around him. How high concept is that? For example, a shaker maker was a popular toy in the 1970s. The character of Mr. Soft was taken from Trebor Soft Mint's commercial. Um, Mr. Clean is a song by The Jam. Mr. Ben is a British children's cartoon. Like, this is. He's literally, once again, just robbing bits off Mm. other people again. Uh, apparently Liam was uh, pestering Noel to finish the song while they were in a taxi on the way to the recording studio as Noel was still writing the lyrics Kanye West-esque right there uh, at this point the taxi stopped at the traffic lights outside a, a record shop called Sifters named after people sifting through records and Noel penned the lyric and it became part of the song I mean just admit that you don't give a fuck you know yeah. 
Um, yeah, the melody uh, for the verse was originally taken by I Like to Teach the World to Sing in Perfect Harmony, which you can definitely hear. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I just, like, I went back and, I, you know, I, I again, like my, my takeaway from this was I understand that this was, I guess, counterculture. Mm-hmm. And this was what people wanted, and it was the youth, you know, that's what they wanted. And it was this tough guy band. But I'm like, but this, you know, like, like I'm, I'm trying to not fall into the pratfall the pitfall territory here of it's just noise. Because wow. I thought this way when I was of of age, mm-hmm. you know, in the Britpop era. It's not old man Dave here. It's me being like, I just, like, where's the hook? Where's the melody? Apart from what you're robbing and not doing it well. Like, <laughs> what is there on the song to latch on to? How was this not the end of the career? Like, this is, and that's how the pop performance is just miserable. It's hilarious. They are miserable. <laughs> the song is fucking miserable. Their drummer was notoriously bad at the time. As in, like, for the first album, it was, like, one of their mates from home. And they kept begging him to get better at the drums or just to, like, to, to learn how to play them properly. Um, and But he was, like, a lad with, like, a kid at home and stuff like that or whatever. Like, there was, like, there was, like, a whole other thing. And then there was a massive court case afterwards where he was looking for all the royalties, whatever, afterwards. As there always is whenever bands get big and original members leave. And then there's a huge thing going on there. But, yeah, no, Shaker Maker is... Probably the worst song on the album, I would say. Um, <laughs> just, probably. I mean, in the same with Swamp Song. On uh, you're on being very English. diplomatic here now. It's uh, shite. It, no, it is terrible. Yeah, I'm saying it is that it's bad. Um, I think the rest of the album definitely saves it, but it is one of those things where it's like, how did that get included on it, the see, track list? This is my problem because, like, for a ba- like a band like Oasis, right? Mm-hmm. He, like, who? First of all, who makes the decision to put that on there? It's they know it's shit. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like they they, they know it's crap. I don't understand why. Like if if you're doing enough to make a record, that's a fucking big thing to be doing, right? Yeah. That's not like, and I know like Dave, you said it's like it's so obvious they don't give a fuck. Like on this song, absolutely. I do think there was like a bit of. I do think there were some fucks given, shall we say, <laughs> at some point. At some the point, thing. because like you don't take on something like that if you're not into it do you know yeah. what I mean you don't take on an album project mm-hmm. so to like fucking just like let one go that yeah. it, it seems really it seems quite counterintuitive to me as someone who is involved in an album making process yeah. with, with artists you know what I mean because like my whole thing is don't let anything go make sure they're all good mm-hmm. what realistically you want to be doing is picking from a pool of like 30 40 songs to make 10 amazing ones and, make sh- and that's making sure that maybe none of them are shit thing, you know maybe it I mean? is that thing though that Hugh was kind of saying earlier on that you know they didn't think anyone was going to really listen and they were learning in real time and fair enough what, yeah, what, yeah, but it's just, like, like, I'm, I'm all for raw and unpolished but like fuck me write a song I think what kills me as well and this might be a hint at what I'm going to talk about later on some of their B-sides are far better than the stuff that made the album. Some of the B-sides, like Acquiesce is a B-side. Um, the Master Plan is a B-side. Like there are loads of other tracks, whatever, that were f- recorded around the same time, whatever, but then like were released like maybe like a few years later, whatever, that are so much better than um, that, <laughs> you know? So it is, I, I just wonder how much of that was their decision, how much of it was a management decision, how much of it was like a, you know, again, this is their first record label and their first record deal, like how much of it, you know, what was the quality control like on this? There was obviously some degree of it because they were swapping around producers to try and recreate what they're like when they're playing in a gig, but yeah. Well, look, hit me hit me with a counterpunch then. See if you can, can you defeat the horror of Shaker Maker? <laughs> 
<laughs> I can try my my gosh darn best. Uh, this is I know I'd mentioned Oasis earlier on, whatever, and like what my first experience was, but I think this song in particular is probably the first Oasis song that I properly loved. Electric too. Can I, if you if you really want it, Dave, you can be electric too. Uh, that is, she's electric. Also off What's the Story, Morning Glory, um, and yeah, it's just one of those tracks that I think is just so much fun. Again, the chord progressions and stuff are very simple, um, very simple lyrics like story, kind of telling, kind of song, whatever, talking about a whole family and stuff like that. Um, but I just think it's just like again, real sing along vibes, good crack. Um, bit of a laugh the first time you hear it and then it just kind of becomes a bit of an anthem then depending on who you're with and stuff like that it just kind of yeah no I can totally see that and also I will I mean like maybe we're going to give Oasis the best comment I've ever given them now which is that like you know I can't do the vocal one he's doing that you know I I think like if you want to be maybe I'm over praising here but like I think you know maybe this wasn't on purpose but like I think you can actually sell a tape, you know, a bit of a Beach Boys thing onto that. And you oh, can, yeah, 100%. 100%. And Even with the backing vocals, like the ooze and the ass. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, I'm like, I'm like, this feels, especially by comparison to the ones I've been picking, <laughs> this feels like really, not complex, but like like a lot of thought was put into it. And it's it's very heartfelt. It's a lovely song. The the march of the beat like 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 this still works for me. It's a really it's like a, even when it's that a, clip there. I was like, yeah, you know, like this was always this was always a good one. This was always a really fucking strident one that like backed up the swagger. Like like the song is in here. I think it's a really strong pop song. I think it's like perfect for you know that radio play and that like you know we're all like hands in harmony <laughs> the song that they ripped off earlier on. But um, this is probably one that I always see as the closest to them because I know that they were trying to pretend like they weren't ripping off the Beatles or whatever. Um, but that kind of like, you know, when I'm 64 style or when I'm, um, or like Obladi, like, you know, that kind of story about like a bit of crack or something like that, you know, something a bit fun. Like, I think that's, this is the closest that they got to that while putting their own spin on it. Um, and I just think, yeah, the harmonies in the back, you know, the chorus is so simple or whatever, but so effective. Um, it's perfect grab a guitar. I know that we that that's the stereotype that uh you know, fella grabs a guitar and starts playing Oasis. Um, I think this is one an Oasis song you could grab a guitar at a gaff and it, and if you played this, it wouldn't be the most cringy thing that has ever happened. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, I think that Dave really summed it up best. Is like this is a prime example of Oasis being the best Oasis. Yeah, they you know what I mean because they're like you're getting a sprinkle of everything. You're getting a sprinkle of their influences and like this, you know, the seventies and like the doors and all of this, that and the other. You're hearing a bit of the Beatles in there, but it's not fully cribbed. It's like, again, they're, you said it best. They're putting their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's just, it's, it's a great song. Like it's, it's, I feel like it's pretty bulletproof and yep. I think it's pretty timeless as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you heard that now, if that was like just come out now, I do think it'd probably receive the same adulation. Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like, and it's sincere. Yeah, 
you know? Yeah, that's the best word for it. Mm-hmm. It is sincere. It's I think. really sincere. You can hear, it, like, it, that vocal melody you just did, like, the the, mm. the one that Stereophonics ripped off years later, <gasps> there's a fucking Uno oh Reverse card for you. God. You love the Uno Reverse card. Yeah. No. It's incredible. Did you ever, this is going to derail the show, did you ever see, like, one of the guys in the charity football match Mac, pulled it out of shorts Bosch, when, he yes. got, when he got, he got a yellow card <laughs> yeah. in the match, you just pull out the Uno Reverse card. For it was fantastic. Yeah, so, so what you're great. saying is, uh, obviously, you know, Oasis uh, stole egregiously from the Beatles, but you think there's no stereophonics if there's no oasis uh, is that fair I I'm saying that in particular I can think of one example where they robbed sure and that is this D- Dakota I think is it is Dakota yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah 100% yeah the chorus yeah, absolutely. It is. And yeah. Dakota's one of their better songs in yeah. I think yeah this song I think Sincere is definitely 100% because even when you think about the uh, influences and stuff that they have there it co- you can tell that it comes from a place of like admiration and stuff as mm. opposed to like literally when it was like the T-Rex the one or whatever he was like I literally don't give a shit like I don't give a fuck like if this is us ripping this off or not yeah. um, whereas all these little influences like with the Doors and the Beatles or whatever it like coalesces into this really lovely it's the perfect sim- it's the perfect synergy between all of them yeah. and when you do get a glimpse of that it's fantastic and I'm glad that we get it in the form of a song like this yes I'm uh, I'm sticking with definitely maybe for my next one. Oh no! For my runner-up. Oh no! This, this is uh, I'm afraid this is like um, case closed. <laughs> Off to prison you go, <laughs> yeah. boys. Music jail for you for Here, life. <laughs> number, number two, pull up a pull up a chair at the table and let's have some of this. Like, I'm sorry, it's not a fucking clever deconstruction of the everyday mundanity of life or on this stupid planet. It is, in fact, a mess, and it's Diggsy's dinner. Mm-hmm. Maybe Diggsy's dinner was a mess. Dave. Probably was. Well, it's, well, I mean, Dog's I, dinner, more like. Appears, <laughs> I don't know, he appears to be having some lasagna. <laughs> it's the Garfield anthem is what it is. He just loves lasagna. If Garfield was here right now, you know, he'd turn his nose up at this. So, Diggsy's dinner, which I think, I do think in amongst Oasis fan circles, it is kind of everyone's like yeah no in fairness like it's mm-hmm. pretty bad <laughs> it's right the, the red herring yeah but mm. there is also um, a bit of a reclamation project on as there is with everything in the world you know um, I found this article this insane article um, and I'm going to read it I'm going to read most of it now um, so strap in mm-hmm. um, initially both Oasis and Blur enjoyed a civil relationship and found themselves operating in the same circle however in 1995 things changed following a comment by Liam Gallagher at the party celebrating some might say going to number one Damon Albarn told NME, I went to the celebration party just to say well done. And Liam came over and he goes, you know, and like he is, he goes, <laughs> number fucking one, right in my face. So I thought, okay, we'll see. From there, both groups became foes. You may have heard of this, you know. Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, I think some people may say that it's a pretty storied rivalry. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Britpop rivalry of its day. Uh, actually, right, who's non-stop. this fellow you're on about? Uh, Mr. Alburn of Gorillaz fame. Well, <laughs> yeah. At the height of the sourness, Noel Gallagher jokingly said of Damon Albarn and Graham Coxon during an interview with The Guardian, quote, uh, I hope the pair of them catch AIDS and die because I fucking hate them too. 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Albarn kept it light and referred to his rivals as, quote, Oasis Quo. Not a great one. No. Um, although the party, for some might say, was held in 1995, an event which fueled the rivalry between the pair, Oasis allegedly took their first swipe of blur on their debut album. Definitely Maybe was packed with hits and featured cult fan favourite Diggsy's Dinner. What fan yeah, <laughs> enjoys yeah. this? <laughs> like, cult fan or fan in a cult? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, a, tra- <laughs> a track that was never released as a single. Gosh, why? Uh, <laughs> lyrically, the song a is... A no- deep cut, you guys. The song is nonsensical and centres around a lasagna that the protagonist... <laughs> Sorry. This is like the Sorry. regulate Wikipedia page. Yeah. Centers around Alessandra. The protagonist w- wishes to eat with his love interest. <laughs> On the surface, there's no shade thrown at Blur in Diggsy's Dinner, but comments made by Creation Records boss Alan McGee yes. put the song in a different light. Um, <laughs> Noel Gallagher stated in Isle of Noises, uh, if you wrote Diggsy's Dinner now, the Guardian of the newspapers would destroy you. It's a song about going to someone's house for a lasagna. You only write songs like when you're free of inhibitions. Um, during an interview on XFM back in 2014, Alan McGee shockingly revealed, it says here. Devastating news. Uh, quote, I think it was a piss take of Blur. I don't know if Noel's ever admitted to that. It's a piss take of the Britpop thing. It was Noel proving he could do it in his sleep. End quote. And then this article wraps up. Um, in light of McGee's comments, it is easy to recognise D- Diggsy's dinner in a completely different way. While it's impossible to confirm Gallagher's intentions with the track, it would certainly be on brand for him to parody his peers on the definitely maybe effort. I hope that writer didn't put his fucking back out with the stretch <laughs> that he's putting in there. Parodying blur. Because I guess they're like, this sounds like Britpop. That not didn't sound that. like, no, not, not at all. For a second. It sounds like no. I, I, I. There's a, there's a tinge of it. I mean, like this sounds like something you'd hear in Clueless, or you know, if they couldn't get uh, that Supergrass song that they got, or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like carefree Brit bullshit, but no. I think that we are applying, you know, the reverse. Revisionist lens. too much revisionist, yeah, revisionist history. history. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's just a terrible song. It is a bad song. And like, listen, not every song has to be complex or has to be about something substantive. That's no. fine. You can write a song about nothing. Mm-hmm. But this is just like, oh my god, lads, come on! What, what like, uh, you like this album? <laughs> I like this album. I wouldn't say that Diggsy's Dinner is my favorite song on the album. I still think Shaker Maker is worse. I think that's my my. I think that there there's a little bit of kind of neck and neck for me. There's a touch of, there's at least something in Diggsy's, there's that chorus of this could be the best day of our lives, whatever. I think that's a bit of fun, like whatever, to to sing along with or whatever. And it is You said like, lives. I, th- I, think he, I think it's live. Live. <laughs> um, I think there's a there's a touch of something there. There's, I feel like there's nothing in Shaker Maker, whereas Diggsy's Dinner is like, it has like a hint in in the midst of all the a shit, there's of a, an idea of truth. Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah, you're saying there's layers like the lasagna like a, he's talking about. Yeah, right? Does well, it again? Hey, listen, that was hard to swallow. Uh, can we have <laughs> like, um, like Dixie's lasagna? Can we have your uh, your silver medal, please? My silver medal, um, the second yeah. best Oasis song of all time, says oh, Hugh Carter. Oh, the, of all time, well, definitively. Defi- wow. Okay, now this suddenly the the pressure is on now suddenly, and I'm now questioning everything that I've decided. But no, I'm going to stick with this. My number two is, I think, genuinely a really beautiful song. You can give me the dreams of mine. That is half 
the world away, which is my number two, which is, as I touched on earlier on, is a B-side of Definitely Maybe. That didn't make the album, but uh, Diggsy's Dinner did and Shaker Maker did. <laughs> how, Do you know what I mean? Like, how the fuck is that happening? Do you know what I like, mean? Like, who's making these, whoever made these decisions, I hope they were sacked. I love yeah. how this is your, this is the part that kills you. I have to know what, uh, of course, you know, what producer wouldn't want their name on these albums, but... Do you think that being in the studio with Oasis would be an absolute nightmare? I wouldn't. I wouldn't even dream. <laughs> no, no, I don't even want to think about how awful that experience would be. There are clips of while they're recording, definitely, maybe in the documentary. And I've where... seen it, and it's absolutely scaring. Oh my god, they're firing fire extinguishers around. Could you imagine? And like kicking TVs in, and like they're rock stars, like, boys. But like that stuff costs money. Like I, I. I'm terrified every time I walk into your studio, Adam, that I'm accidentally going to knock something over that's going to Rube Goldberg machine collapse this whole place <laughs> and that all this incredible equipment is going to be gone. Like, it's, I can't even imagine being in that room. It's just like, for I don't know, like, for me, hearing that and like, that's again a prime example of the sincerity and how it all coalesces now. I do think it's a bit more Beatles leaning than the, the, the former, but like, for me hearing something that's got that quality in it and like immediately to me I'm like if I was hearing a string of songs by Oasis for the first time hypothetically because that is never going to happen never ever but like <laughs> you know if that was me and I'm like the producer and help him work and try and like structure this record immediately I'm going to be like this is that's got to be on there right to be, yeah. Dixie's Dinner can do one yeah Dixie's Dinner is Shaker Maker forget about it mm-hmm. you should have stopped. was it in a taxi he was writing that you should have you, st- you stopped writing it throwing the notepad out yeah. it would have been useless um, I think Dixie's Dinner is the second last track on the album if memory serves me right right before Married with Children um, and I, that would have been perfect perfect for an, a perfect little transition could have been the last one either you yeah. know what I mean it would have would have made perfect sense it's, as well it's ridiculous I think as well and this kind of touches on why I think Oasis is still very popular um, and it's with this song in particular I think they do have really tender moments and really like emotional moments and for some people um, we're very lucky I mean we are currently very lucky that we're in a place where we can you know or we are the kind of people well I know that I am that I can talk about my feelings and that I can express myself and that I can not here pal not here no no emotions here whatsoever this podcast is famously a place (laughs) where you're not allowed to share let alone overshare like like, don't keep those thoughts to yourself Um, but I think for some people like this was like an outlet I think that they're like and I think especially like in those like spaces where I think concerts can be that 100% like gigs, gigs like you know like punk shows um you know, um, like trad shows, like you know, like and they all serve different emotions and emotional serve, responses. Yeah. yeah, like even I remember going to see for those I love in the Olympia. I know that Dave was there. I what met Dave show. afterwards. Yeah. Like amazing. That's a prime example of how, like, just cathartic something can be. Like I've just felt everything there, and like even other silly superficial things, like the like Foo Fighters. I went to see Foo Fighters once, and all of my friends were there, and it was just like. <laughs> The first time we, like, because we were listening to CDs as teenagers and it was the first time we'd all kind of experienced that together and it was really overwhelming emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know we went I mean? to uh, Overhead the Albatross recently. Yeah, we um, did. One of our friends who was with us uh, was in tears after one of their songs. Um, and I was just like, because that's, like, that's the best thing. Yeah. It's, like, you know, like, like to, for, it's overwhelming. Yeah, for music to be able to, like, pull that from you mm-hmm. is just, 
that's what we so why we're all here, right? Like yeah. it's just it's what it's all for. And I guess you know? I guess yeah. I mean, like it's, I know what you're saying. And it's a, it's a tough line because like you don't want to appear. And I'm not I'm not I'm saying that you are, but like you don't want to appear like patronizing to you know say like people who might not normally react that way or whatever mm-hmm. or make it like a class thing or some bullshit because like that's completely not fair at all. Mm-hmm. And but like obviously Oasis had a very broad audience or like a very large audience and like mm-hmm. they would lar- I think initially certainly would have attracted like people who just like rock music. Yeah. And you know these guys are angry and so am I and like you know to, to get to sneak a bit of a message in sneak a bit of emotion in mm-hmm. and from them themselves because they you know obviously put themselves out there as like the hardest men in rock yeah and it's like you know no no like this is a nice thing I, I remember like you know fucking when Slipknot put out their third album and they had an acoustic song on it <gasps> you know, heaven forbid the scariest thing possible immediate red X <laughs> yeah I get it I do remember it, like it, I remember talking to like a local metalhead and Drada who was like you know the shit now and it was like what and you know just like describing like like this this acoustic thing was somehow a betrayal and I'm like it's the most interesting thing that they've ever done yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's art man and like it's it's brave of them to do yeah. this and like they like I would look forward to when they do go into that world it doesn't always work but when it does mm-hmm. it can and it's like nah I mean like that's yeah so like even if Oasis like you know get through to someone who thinks that you know they're the best band ever and makes them place 45 times on a Radio X top 100 <laughs> that's fine I mean you know there's something for everybody yeah. and this is a very good song was, I, this, was this the Royal Family theme yes, tune yes and it yeah. was and it was requested by um oh I can't remember her name now. That's awful. What Caroline Hearn? Yes, Caroline Hearn suggested it to Caroline Hearn. Late great Caroline Hearn um, suggested the song to and asked um, Noel if they could use an Oasis song as the theme, and he suggested, funny enough, "Married with Children," which is another track off "Definitely Maybe," which was on the actual album. Um, but they went with "Half the World Away," and according to himself, he didn't realize how much of an impact it had or how it had kind of grown into this thing. They were touring in America and they came back and the show had aired and it kind of had a moderate success and then it became this kind of like cult favorite or whatever. And it's, it was like, oh no, like this, it's like not our, our song anymore, basically. It was kind of like, this is now part of the Royal Family thing. Um, he said Jim Royal is his hero in a documentary um, or in an interview. And yeah, I think definitely like, I'm not saying that this was the case for absolutely everyone, but I think it was this song definitely did act as an outlet for people for some emotions or whatever. I know for myself, the whole song is basically about like, you know, leaving your home and like, you know, if I could leave this city, if I could leave this planet, you know, all this stuff, whatever. I'm obviously not from Dublin and I've been living here for the last seven years, whatever. Um, So it kind of holds like a little place in my heart as well as kind of like a, a kind of almost an anthem for getting away from home, but coming back. Um, So yeah, no, I think this is, I just think it's beautiful. I it think it's is, really yeah. Good. And also I think, you know, and like it, it's the next, the one I'm about to reference now, uh, in, no, no, in line with this, not mm-hmm. before I move on to my, <laughs> I was going to say, no, 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 as no. we named the worst Oasis My number one. A companion song for the one that you've said, and it's, it's a lot more, I think it's, it's less subtle, but I do think Stop Crying Your Heart Out is a good song. Absolutely. Like yeah. I, I think it, I think it builds appropriately, and you know, it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a big, it's a torch anthem, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a bit mechanical, it's a bit generic, but I think it's a nice song. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one, however, is not a song that I think is nice. <laughs> uh, height of self indulgence, complete trash. Fuck this forever. I know exactly what it's going to be. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. It's nine minutes long, <laughs> <laughs> and here's thirty seconds of it.
Okay, deep breaths all around. It is All Around the World by Oasis, uh, English rock band Oasis. Um, <laughs> have you heard of them? Incidentally, if you were to travel all the way around the world, the song would still not be finished by the time <laughs> you were to nine, nine minutes long. <laughs> it's off Be Here Now, which of course was the infamous thing when that came out. All the music critics were like five stars, five stars, five stars, five yep. stars, ten out of ten. The best album Britain's ever done. And then they listened to it. Yeah. They went back and actually listened to it then. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, maybe it isn't. And it was like, critics have come out and apologized since yeah. and been like, yeah, we got that wrong. Well, it's because they, the they apologized for getting it wrong on Definitely Maybe. There was like a whole thing where when it first came out, it was quite a lukewarm response and then it became like the fastest selling album of the, the decade or something in Britain. And they were like, oh, wait, no, hold on. Uh, no, this is actually Yeah, critics amazing. freaked out and did the fucking classic thing where they're like, well, wait a minute. Could it be? It's popular. That must be good. Are we missing <laughs> something here? Um, yeah. And of course, the waste at that point was, you know, a living meme a household name the power was everywhere and so they were like well clearly this new album the pressure was insane and but they just were like we have to anoint this band They nothing they do is wrong and mm-hmm. out came this very shoddy album and you know five star reviews aplenty uh, even the band I think don't think it's that good um, they don't and they were like high as balls as well when they were making this which mm-hmm. didn't help um, this is written by Noel Gallagher it's the longest Oasis song there is, apart from they have a thirty-minute like silence track on Heathen Chemistry. Why? What? Why? Why even bother? This song peaked at number one in the UK singles chart, <laughs> the longest song ever to reach number one. Great. Um, see that this is this is a uh, number one in Ireland as well. By the way, so we all have um, our part to play yeah, in this. <laughs> we all we all party. We all have blood in our hands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is like when I was going through a bunch of ways of songs because I didn't pick you know I didn't pick like Little James because I was like well it's a song for a kid it's fine like it's not yeah. the greatest but whatever and I didn't pick you know some other stuff I was just like no nah, this is the one because like I found myself listening to it and it's been such a while I don't, I don't listen to Oasis really so mm-hmm. um, but you know what you know and I threw this on and I was listening to it and I was like what's going on with, with Spotify I was like, it's, like I've clearly hit the on repeat button and I Hit the. I looked at the thing and I like my jaw like crashed through my bedroom floor into the kitchen. <laughs> my housemate was like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "Sorry, I'm just over here turning into a fucking abstract painting <laughs> because of I can't get over the." I was like, "What?" I was like, "I'm six minutes in. There's three minutes to go." I was like, "It's ju- it's just the same fucking chorus." And like mm-hmm. height of excess, you know, we can do anything. We have money. We are coked up. We mm-hmm. are the best band in the world. I mean, jeez, uh, apparently it's one of the first songs Noel ever wrote. Like, but mm-hmm. like only finished it now. It's because it took really long to write. That's why. It's, it's <laughs> there are recorded sessions of the band rehearsing it as early as 1992. However, despite Noel's fondness for the song, it did not appear on their first album. He wanted to wait until the band could afford to produce it in the extravagant manner that it needed. He has claimed it is one of the best songs he has ever written. Stop. Now it says citation needed next to that, but it sounds like the kind citation of Citation needed, yeah. Because I mean, yeah. no one can fucking back it up. <laughs> yeah, potentially. It sounds yeah. like the kind of thing that he would say. It's embellished with string and horn pieces, and it's just sorry, it's followed on the album by a two-minute long instrumental all around the world reprise. Just in case you weren't sure what the What's the, left the, to the, say? The, well, the, like, well, nothing. It's instrumental. But just in case you didn't get to hear the backing a fucking track. Appendage on a nine-minute track. By the way, I just feel like we haven't said everything, so we just gotta get that in there. In an interview, uh, Noel said, with Supersonic, I worried I was never going to write another song after that because I thought it sounds that good. Two days later, I superseded it by about 50 fucking times. On 50 minutes. And the reason we haven't recorded (laughs) it is because there isn't enough money in Creation Records bank balance to pay for the production of that record. Uh, When asked would there be an orchestra on, he goes, orchestras, man. 
It's not got to be one. It's got to be two. Oh my god! So there you go. Oh, oh fucking hell! Ridiculous. He did like that's the to me that's thirty six piece orchestra. Silly. Thirty six. The longer Silly. the better, as far as I'm concerned. He says, Fair. if it's good, I can see what people are going to say, but fuck him. <laughs> he says the well, lyrics are teeny that's poppy. Me told. That's me told. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said the lyrics are teeny poppy, but there are three key changes towards the end. Imagine how much better Hey Jude would have been with three key changes towards the end. I like the ambition of it. All that time ago. What was all that about? We didn't even know our first single out. Gin and Tonics, eh? I suspect he was on one here. And of course, Hey Jude deserves a mention because, you know, it's just trying to rip that off. And uh, You know me, I'm not a Beatles fan, but let's be fair. Hey Jude, uh, you know, and, you know, just take a moment here, guys. You know, I'm going to say something big. It's a better song than this. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can whoa. you say that? One more time. Hey Jude is a better song. Hey Jude is a better song. There's the soundbite we've all been looking for. Cancelled, finished, done. <laughs> no, you're right though. Like, And again, this is the bit of Oasis that maybe I don't like so much. But kind of hearing Noel talk about it, I'm like, you know what? You really should like be true to what it is that you want. When you're mm-hmm. when you're making a record like that, so yeah. I do feel kind of hypocritical for being like, "What the fuck's he at?" When realistically, he's been holding on to this song for a very long time. Whether yeah. I like it or not, it's kind of immaterial. I do respect the fact that he stuck to his guns on it. Just to uh, speaking a second to his guns, just give you one little sign off here. So there's a big long interview they did with Q. I think it was back in 2002 or there mm-hmm. or thereabouts. Very very long, very very Oasis and. <laughs> One of the questions is, did you sue Hearsay? Because Pure and Simple sounded like all around the world. Remember Hearsay, everybody? Hearsay. Yes. They won Pop Idol. Yes. Oh, wow. And their that. big song was Pure and Simple, and it wasn't very good. Noel responds when asked if they were going to sue them over the alleged similarities. Um, the Sun's Dominic Mohan rang and said, it sounds like all around the world, and then went on to engineer a campaign that we would sue them. Come on, mate, us? Are we really going to sue a band for making a record that sounds like someone else's? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that's, that. Come on. that's. Then, that, I like the, the kind of self-deprecation of that. The follow-up question. Did you like the last Travis album? Noel, it says here, brackets, smiles broadly. I like Travis. <laughs> and then, come on, did you like that last Travis album? And Noel goes, they're really nice guys. <laughs> Liam says, I liked it. Nothing blew me away. But listen, if you like the Beatles, Sex Pistols, Pink Floyd or Neil Young, that's it. You're away. You don't need to listen to anything else ever. And then Noel finishes that thought by saying, I honestly believe not one British band has made an album better than Definitely Maybe. That's the end of my Oasis list, everybody. Dear Lord, I do want to just touch on one thing on Be Be Here Now. Uh, Liam has ranked Be Here Now as his favourite release by Oasis. That's just contrarianism at its finest. Yeah, in 2017 he said that that was his favourite He said that because Noel probably said it was his his least favourite. Do you know what I mean? At one point Noel did say that it was bland and that some of the tracks were fucking shit um, were the exact words. Uh, But he said, just because you sell lots of records it doesn't mean to say you're any good. Look at Phil Collins. (laughs) Oh, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. There is not a single Oasis song as good as In the Air Tonight. tonight. No, absolutely not. 100%. And I say that truly. Easy Lover, also an incredible song. Studio? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what I got the Tarzan soundtrack. We were talking about Lion King earlier on. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, fine. hit me with your number one. Best Oasis song of all time. My pick for the best Oasis song of all time. I like it could have been I it would be very easy to pick Wonderwall, because obviously like it's like the most it's the most overplayed song in the world for this, a reason. This is my biggest concern this week. Yeah. <laughs> Adam wanted me to actually throw it in as a we can't pick Wonderwall amnesty. And I, I was like, surely it'll happen by itself. We, I think I actually, yeah, we didn't. I there was no Wonderwall mentioned. I oh think, so. God, you have no idea the relief I felt. 
<laughs> no, I wouldn't put you through that. I think regardless that this song is so much better than that anyway. Is this it is the just... importance of being idle? God, no. <laughs> I actually think that song's okay. But... No. <laughs> sorry, go on. On my list of, uh, sorry, before we, uh, on my list of away songs I can I think are okay, you got the Hindu Times, mm-hmm. uh, Acquiesce. Yeah. Uh, Go Let It Out is alright, yeah. maybe. Fucking um, In The Bushes and The Importance of Being Idle. That's my top five. All that's right. your top five. Let's have your number one. <laughs> to Dave um, <laughs> hang on a second uh, Hugh what is this underground gem that you've unearthed for us well as, as I sifted through the, the the admittedly ginormous Oasis back catalogue there's like their like extended releases um, have like 40 tracks on them sometimes whatever which is just insane can't get enough of a good thing but you really can't <laughs> you really can't as I was actually before before I just before, that's a great phrase yeah before I went before I picked this as my top song I was going through loads of all those like b-sides just in case I missed anything or whatever and I could tell within the first minute if uh, anything was going to be any good because of the the Oasis formula um, but this little this little ditty is uh, Don't Look Back in Anger which I think if you're not going to choose Wonderwall as your number one yeah it, this was a close second to put it on the ban list to be honest but really? I, I knew I had I had one card to play. That <laughs> <laughs> you did subconsciously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Just like beaming through the emails. Powers, yeah. 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 No, I couldn't, you couldn't not say it. Like, it's just... The first and last time this the- song is going to be played in Adam's studio. I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, in fairness, I'm I'm hamming it up. Like, uh, this is a great song. So are they. They are really, they're really hamming it up. Um, this was the fifth single for Morning Glory because uh, it was just single after single after single after single off that. It was just insane what they were pushing out or whatever. Um, but it, this song was voted the second best prip pop song uh, behind with Enemy. But what what song do you think was number one? Oh Jesus! Is it by Oasis? No. Blur song. Nope. It's not. It's not a Blur song. Is it Supergrass? Nope. Oh, is it Common People by Pulp? It is yeah. Common People yeah, by there Pulp. There we go. Is voted number one. The greatest Crammy pop motherfucker. song of all time. <laughs> it only took me three guesses. <laughs> I got it in one. I'm going to tell you, Two, I, saw, I saw Pulp live last year at that very strange festival oh, yeah. I went to in Warrington. Yeah. Really underwhelming. Oh, no. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, because they usually get good reviews, but Common People is a genuinely phenomenal all-timer of a song. Great oh, finisher, to be fair. Yeah, oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. Um, it's always great when a Tory comes out and says, I love the song Common People. <laughs> okay. Go listen Please. to Top Loader, pal. No, I was gonna say, oh my God, sorry. I can't believe we've lost them. That's, uh, I, I gotta say, to throw, uh, that's also uh, waiting for you on last week's episode that you haven't listened to. Rudy Kinsella, uh, just, I'll, I'll never like hear, <laughs> smash, that, <laughs> smash that like bar. It was so good. Oh, anyway, man. anyway. Sorry. Go back. Oh. Don't look back in anger. Mm-hmm. I think like, do look back in anger. I will look back in, listen I'll look to back. last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna look back in joy with this song because I do genuinely think it is pretty incredible. There are, there are, there is a video of me. Um, I was nearly going to, to send it in as a clip. I might still send it over to you as a clip if you want, uh, of me singing this song off a guitar I robbed off a fella with a joint still stuck into the, the strings of the guitar in a chicken shop in Liverpool. Um, this song is like ubiquitous. Are you wanted me. by the Liverpool authorities? I think I'm on their own. Yeah, I don't think I'm allowed. I mean, there are many reasons why I'm not allowed back in Liverpool, um, but that is not one of them. Um, or maybe it is. 
I I love Don't Look Back in Anger. I really genuinely think that it is an like an anthem and it is 100% one of those songs that I think once it comes on you can't help but sing along with it. I think it is genuinely like just a rock solid. Now, in fairness, the opening is just Imagine by the Beatles, 100%. It's literally there. And they've mentioned that before. Um, and sometimes it's tongue-in-cheek and sometimes it's just like, oh, we can do what we want or whatever. Um, but I, I genuinely think it's amazing. And I think especially in light of what happened in Manchester then with the Manchester Arena bombing, um, for anyone who doesn't remember, it was uh, at an Ariana Grande concert in 2017. Um, where a bomb went off and killed people who were attending a gig. And there's this amazing clip of a minute silence occurring outside the arena and then a lone woman starts singing Don't Look Back in Anger. And then it builds and becomes kind of like a like the whole crowd that starts singing along, whatever. And it just became this massive anthem for Manchester, massive anthem for people who had been affected by it. Um, and I think it's that amazing moment of when music and reality like smash together or whatever and like it just creates this massive sense of community yeah, um, yeah. it reminds and, me of I've, I've talked about on the show before on several occasions but it reminds me of when Coldplay headlined Glastonbury and they did the Viola Beach thing yeah 100% which I, th- I still think is one of the most compassionate things any mu- musical actor person has ever done and again it's one of the things where it's like Coldplay or Coldplay and they divide opinion uh, but they get a pass for life for me for that one because yeah. I think that was just such a beautiful thing to do. And yeah, when those things happen, the the one that you're referring to is obviously more spontaneous. But yeah, like that kind of healing power, yeah, that genuine communal power. Like I mean, it's it's irresistible. And it's again, it's that like real sincerity, real genuine love. Like there, there is, uh, you know, there was already so many emotions wrapped up in that already. Like you know, obviously a song about like you know looking back in your life, whatever, but not to look back in anger and just to kind of accept things and to, um you know, carry them with you, but not to forget about them and, um, but not to be angry about them. There's, there's so much in there already. And then when it just becomes like, you know, it starts to transcend, you know, it is again, that thing we were talking about where like, this is why we love music. Um, and that it came from a band like Oasis who were the, you know, you know, only a year before they were doing, you know, Shaker Maker. <laughs> and I will say then, that, that that is impressive progression. I'll give this is that, a meme yeah. where it's like, you know, that this, 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 all this came in the space of two years is insanity. It's absolute madness. Um, but I think this is probably where it all came together. And before you ask, no one knows who Sally is. They just threw in the name. Because um, I think Liam thought that he had heard Noel say the words like, oh, Sally can wait. Um, I do want to ask you something else. Go for it. Do you remember the first time you heard it? Oh, great question. Um, I feel like it was on a radio at home. I think that that this was like a a, a two FM pick or a, or an iRadio pick back in the day, um, and it was like I don't know in whenever they used to play like Californication on loop and you know when they were, they were just, you know <laughs> on, a loop. on a loop <laughs> basically over and end. over again. Listen, <laughs> we only had so many songs back at home, whatever. But I think this was definitely on rotation in. Um, like Irish radio for a while as like a you know the kind of like the the safe bets for songs to play to get people happy whatever um so yeah I think that was it I was quite young I would say um but again it's been kind of as I grew to love Oasis more especially when it was in the Gaeltacht at home um this was a standing on a there's like a a a pub in at home called Leo's Tavern which is where uh Clannad and Enya Brennan uh like where they got started like their family pub um 
And lots of times I have stood on the couches with a guitar that has been handed to me from behind the bar uh, and played this song or done like a set like up on the stage there or whatever. Um, so it just will forever hold a bit of a place in my heart, I think. Hugh Carr, I think you might be the only person that I would allow rock up in a pub with an acoustic guitar and ruin my night and actually be okay about it. I didn't. I never bring the guitar and I never... Uh, you never volunteer the, yourself. I never volunteer myself, but there... I was at home actually a few months ago. I think it was like in August. And um, the manager, so Bartley, who runs the pub, uh, saw me or whatever. And I was like with my friends from college, or whatever. Like, you know, we'd have gone up for like a little a little family trip up to study all or whatever to stay in my, my gaff, whatever. And uh, the, the manager came up to me and he was like, oh, Hugh, like, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in so long, whatever. And he was like, listen, will you do like a chin or two or whatever? And I was like, oh, no, man, like I'm having my dinner or whatever. And like, you know, I'll see how I'm getting on. Like, maybe in, like, I don't know, I guess we'll see. Uh, and he was like, "Oh, you will." And I and there was like a camera. There's like a there's like a screen in there, and I could see him go up to the singer and come back, whatever. And he's like, "You've got five minutes." And then I was just like, "Oh shit, okay." So then you have to pull a set out of your arse or whatever. So, um, so I never, I will say, I've never volunteered to do it. Um, but I'm glad that if you saw me, if you walked into a pub and saw me blaring Oasis on a stage, that you wouldn't immediately turn on your heel and leave. Well, listen, man, pressure makes diamonds, and you are indeed a gem. So uh, thank you, just thank you, Hugh Carr, for coming back to the Nolan Encore. You're welcome every time, of course. And if you want to talk about a real cubic zirconia, it's Sonic Architect. <laughs> <laughs> well, great to be here as always. This was a fun one. I actually enjoyed it, and it's nice to go back to the best and worst, but like, great discussion and a great band. Um, surprised we hadn't kind of touched this one before, really. Probably a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know yourself, it's like one of these big bands. Why you know when it's ubiquitous? When it's so ubiquitous? So ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Well, I hope perfect. that people enjoy that theme because that's where we're going next week. Oh. And you're gonna have you're gonna have to sign up to Patreon.com yeah, slash Patreon.com slash no encore if you want to get a primer ahead of time. Uh, that will be next week. But for now, Hugh Carr, we send you into the night, <laughs> not looking back in anger, Thank looking you. forward in joy. <laughs> And we'll have you back on soon for sure. Much love, love, man. Much love. Right, that's the show for this week, everybody. Um, that's the podcast. That was a bit like Irish. Everybody, everybody, uh, hi, <laughs> hi, everybody. It's, it's like uh, it's very Irish radio DJ of me being like, or hey, like hey. Winning, what's his name? Derek Mooney on Winning Streak. Yeah, I remember Derek Mooney on Winning Streak when I was younger. I remember watching that show before, and I remember seeing it, a moment where uh, some older lady, like you know, got the least amount of that she could. I think mm-hmm. she could have got like you know all kinds of riches yeah. and extravagance and, and opulence and spoils. Oh, you get like a hundred quid, or whatever and she got like a really bad one. And I remember vividly him going, "Oh, it's like being wounded with a big sword, isn't it?" And I was like, "What a bizarre, <laughs> what a bizarre thing to say." Yeah, that's so, such a relatable to thing thing to say, Derek. Mooney. Yeah. Derek Mooney has famously been stabbed with a big store. Man, <laughs> man watched fucking Highlander the night before or something. Anyway, will you do uh, the Derek Mooney sign off though? How would end every? How does he do that? He would every time he'd end, he'd be bye. like, "Boy, <laughs> uh, no, I won't do that." <laughs> Coward. <laughs> I'll do my. <laughs> My, my South Park thing or, or, or the Drada one you know <laughs> I went home to Drada there at the weekend it sucked no it mostly sucked it was alright so yeah uh, right, my name is Dave Hanready this has been No Encore this has been unintelligible and there will be No Encore we're back next week all the love in the world uh, all around the world I'm off to listen to a 12 minute Oasis song about nothing bye bye bye, bye. <laughs>